0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaning, meaningful, and compelling, and I'm so excited. To, today's guest is a friend of mine. So this is a unique podcast. We often have women I don't know on But I'm super duper excited today to have a friend of mine who is the CFO and co-owner of the San Francisco Wine School. Her name is Kristen Campbell. Kristen, I'm super excited to have you as a guest on my show today. It's been way too long. You should have been on long ago. I guess I never thought about it or maybe you were wicked busy. I know that's true. So happy to have you here today.
1: Thank you. I am, um, I'm really honored to be here and it has been so much fun to watch you and grow your own business. And, you know, I, we've talked from the beginning and I've watched you um, bloom and I was shocked when I looked and saw just how many podcasts you'd done. Um and I listened to a few of them. They're great. So I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I totally forgot about that. That's true. It's been a little over a year. Um, folks, Kristen was the first person I called when I said, Listen to this crazy thing I'm gonna do. And what do you think about it? And she was so actually I texted her and she said, Call me. And so I picked up the phone. We talked for about an hour, maybe an hour and twenty minutes, and she said I have ideas for you. She's a, she's not only a CFO numbers person, she's both left brain and right brain. And she had a lot of great ideas. And, you know, now that I think back on all this, you are in great part, um, why I've been insanely successful. And I say that with tons of gratitude and humility, oh. uh, this year has been in good part. Um, my success is due to your ideas. So thank you. Thank you. Thank oh. you.
1: Well, you know, there's a lots of ideas are cheap. It's the uh, energy we put into them that pays off. So you've done a great job. I have huge
0: respect. Ah, thank you, thank you. Um, I, I I I want people to know who you are and what you do, not just your name and title, but really what you do, because you. Bust your butt, I know. Um, <laughs> I, I have so much I need to learn from you. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about those funny stories on this podcast because you have a much more sophisticated palette for wines and foods. And um I've traveled the world, but much like um, you know, the American tourist, not at all in any uh I have no level of sophistication whatsoever. I'm like, oh shiny, look at that, isn't that cool? Um, but you, on the other hand, can teach me a thing or two about food and wine, and I can't wait to get going on my lessons. But let's start off with um, telling the audience a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um, well, I am just a you know an average middle kid, middle class kid, growing up in the South Bay um, in the '70s. Uh, my parents are good uh you know I, I got a texan for a dad and an Okie for a mom and um you know they both migrated to bakersfield and fresno respectively when they were kids and you know back in the in the 40s so these guys are um my family is um you know has a lot of southern roots and country folk and family and stories are are very important to, um, to that generation. And I value that a lot. Um, You know, my, uh, I grew up um, just like any other kid, the, in the South Bay, uh, at the end of a cul-de-sac kids all around and um, had just your average um, upbringing. I was actually quite a rebel as a teenager, um, which was interesting (laughs) and not a lot of people know that about me, but, um, I got, I actually trashed my grades in, uh, in high school and couldn't get into a, a good, um, college. But by the time I was a senior, I decided that I better get my act together and do what I knew I could do. So I, um, I kind of pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I went to work for bank of America and, um, to earn money for college. I did a couple of years of community college and then I transferred to UC Berkeley and, um, okay. was lucky enough to get into the hospital business, which, you know, is a great school. I swear the only reason they let me in is because I was in there every quarter showing them what I'd taken and asking what I needed to take to get in. By the time the, the applications came around, they knew my name. Um, so I graduated from Berkeley um, and I got a job. Um, I was kind of a, I was always had an affinity for numbers. Um, and so I thought, well, I'll, go and do accounting and finance. And, um, so I got a job at KPMG, which is, um, still one of the old, I guess I call it the final four. When I started, it was the big eight and then it became the big six. Uh, and then (laughs) now it's the final four of the large public accounting firms. And you know, even there, um, there was a, a big, um, mentorship was valued. You really couldn't move up in your job if you didn't train the people below you. So everybody had, um, you know, it was like a machine, but it was a well-oiled machine. Uh, everybody, uh, staff accountants had counseling managers and counseling partners, and you got evaluated on every audit you did. And um, and it was just a very um, kind of fraternal organization. And as I was starting there, I was lucky enough to um, get staffed on uh, inventory jobs. That's what you do when you, you come into public accounting and you're trying to get your CPA. They put you on the easy balance sheet accounts. And so, uh, so inventory is an easy one. And I just dumb luck got staffed onto to um, some winery clients. Um, so BV was a client of mine, Bernardus, um, in Carmel Valley was a client of mine. I had a really cool acquisition when, um, Cubeline was acquiring, uh, Glen Ellen, um, in the early nineties. And so I just, I really, that's kind of where wine started for me. I, um, I guess I was bitten by the bug in, the barrel rooms as I was counting, just the smell of the oak and the wine. And it was just really, um, you know, it really, uh, enhanced all my sense, the senses. Um, and oh, I me, go,
0: let me I, ask you, let me mm-hmm. interrupt for a second because yeah, I am floored. So I thought I knew you and I, I, I do, but I didn't know all that about you. So yeah, this is awesome. I am blown away. So, so when I say you're whole-brained, you totally are whole-brained. First, I think it's really cool that you had a little too much fun there for a while. So that makes you human. You're not Oh a, yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Good to know. You're not perfect like I Oh no. Oh <laughs> no. Oh no, no. It makes you relatable and then yeah. um very cool. I did know about your, uh, Texas and Oklahoma background. That's great. You probably had a pair of cowboy boots at one point in your life. Um, I still do. awesome. Awesome. I did know about Berkeley, which yay. You know, my kid just got in shout out to the bears go bears. Yeah. Um, super, super impressed that you went to Haas. That's great. Um, I love this that you're, I didn't you know I didn't put the connect the dots so yeah I didn't realize that's how you got into wine that you're yeah
1: absolutely
0: that's insane that's wonderful yeah
1: Yeah, that so it was working with the clients but it was also you know as you're in whining and dying dining clients of the firm you're going out to great dinners and so I'm ordering wine and discovering wine, and I'm expanding my palate. Um, It was great. I loved it. Um, You know, Don Blackburn, who was the winemaker for so many years um, at Bernardus, you know, I'd spend two weeks down there on an audit, and he'd bring the whole team out uh, to dinner with him, and we, this is where we got the first idea of food and wine playing everybody would um you know they'd bring four or five different bottles of wine and plop them all out on the table and everybody would have a little bit of each and then everybody would order um a different menu item and you'd get your plate and you'd sit for a couple of minutes and eat off that plate and try it with all the different wines and then you'd rotate and you you know
0: Wow, the most fun accounting job in the world.
1: It was great, (laughs) yes. In fact, that was my path not traveled because they had offered me the controller position for um, Bernardus, and I was in my 20s, and I was dating this guy, and I didn't want to move to Carmel Valley, and I turned (laughs) it down.
0: Wow.
1: You know, my path, everybody's got the path not traveled. That was mine. Wow.
0: Wow. Wow. What? So I don't know any accountants, CPAs or anybody at any of the, what you call final four, which I think is hilarious. I've never heard that before. I have heard, you know, um, the, the big six and the big eight. Yeah. Um, I don't know anybody who, who's the happy accountant <laughs> like that. That's talk about find something you love and get paid to do it. That's incredible. That's yeah. Really great. Well, it
1: was great, but you know, public accounting is a grind. Yeah. And, um, and Silicon Valley was just starting, you know, I had friends going to work for AOL and Netscape and, what's the difference between the web and the internet? Like, you yeah, know, yeah. figure out what this, <laughs> what's this email thing? I used to get memos in my inbox. Um, we'd have to go into the office to pick up our mail. Um, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but Silicon Valley was big. And so I, I left public accounting and I went to um, work for a high tech startup and was the first accounting person there. And that was great too. I there were no policies or procedures or anything. I got to make the rules up as I went. I had a great mentor, the CFO would he would even, you know, on Fridays he would take me to lunch and we would he'd let me ask him anything. So I would pick the topic anything that I wanted to learn about. And, uh, I would pick the topic and we'd have a lunch together sometimes just brown bag at his desk. And we'd talk about, you know, I don't know, uh, best approaches to revrec or <laughs> <That's> <laughs> revenue recognition or, or, you know, how do I, you know, set up this team or whatever. But he always gave me a lot of encouragement and, um, And then we were acquired um, by PeopleSoft. It was PeopleSoft's first acquisition and the largest that had been seen in in Silicon Valley at the time. It was a big deal. And uh, so I stayed through the transition. And then, you know, we kind of integrated with PeopleSoft. And I thought, this kind of (laughs) sucks.
0: The big big company. I have to tell you a long time ago, I remember I worked for a company. Well, I worked for the people who started Lotus notes. And when IBM came in and took over, it was the same thing. It was like, wait a minute, this is a culture shock. This is not, you know, Yeah. but you know, uh, Kristen, listen, listening to you talk, I'm like, you know, you think you know someone. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm learning all this great stuff. I just want to, so keep talking. I'm just going to keep listening. I'm like, my jaw is dropped. This is great. Yeah, yeah, this is,
1: this is, you know, one of those, this is a story about sort of all paths led here, you know? I love um, it. So I, uh, I really liked the startup culture better. So I went back and I, I found another job and another startup that I really, really enjoyed. And this time there, I had no CFO. Um, So I was the controller and and really any, I was the only financial person in the company. And um, it was, uh, that was another new challenge and built that company up and um, did several rounds of fundraising Um, ultimately it was acquired, but, um, by good technologies. And so we had, you know, it was great. I was in Silicon Valley and I was, um,
0: there road, baby,
1: Sandhill road, baby. And if the opportunities were everywhere and if you had, um, you know, if you had passion, if you had commitment and if you had energy and common sense, you could do anything. So I kind of became a junkie. Um, I really, really enjoyed the startup companies and the idea of taking, you know, something from nothing and creating process and structure and helping them get their first deals and helping them raise money. And it was very, um, it was very fulfilling. And um, I even started when I, was having I thought I was taking a break because I had my daughter, um, uh, and and had actually quit my job, thinking I was going to be staying home with her. But my husband at the time had been laid off from his job in the bust, and um, there was really nothing to uh, to support the family he couldn't, he was in business development. They're always the first to go and the last to get rehired. So I went out and I started consulting on my own. So I was consulting for CEOs who wanted to start their companies and, um, you know, doing what I loved. And, um,
0: Well, that explains why you were able to help me so much a year and a half ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean I uh that's that's a passion of mine, right? So I have this food and wine passion that started a long time ago and I um certainly loved um starting companies and then I um you know as my kids were getting older and and I was sort of taking a step back from the you know, time and a full time and a half um, world. I started, I wanted to keep my, you know, my head sharp and doing something, but I wanted to direct it towards my family more. And so I started, um, you know, volunteering in the schools and eventually started sitting on PTO boards and audit committees for the school district. And so education kind of became my philanthropic interest uh, I I guess you could say and then one day a friend of mine who knew all of those you know we had started together back at KPMG so he knew my startup um, experience and he knew my wine background and he knew my my kids and the all the work I was doing education and he had um, he had committed to helping um, a master sommelier start a wine school and he was also the CFO for Meritech Capital, Capital, which was a very large role and he quickly realized it was more than he could, you know, handle and so he asked if I wanted to um, meet him and I thought, okay, it's, wine and it's a startup and it's education that's that's a trifecta yeah yeah
0: yeah it's everything you love it was everything everything yeah all roads led there you know you're sitting here telling this story and I'm I am you know I I I learned by listening I learned by seeing I'm a storyteller everything you're saying I'm imagining you you're like a kaleidoscope you're like a human kaleidoscope, (laughs) you know, all these wonderful things you've got, you've got the right brain, the left brain. I mean, I'm seeing you do the wine, the CFO, the education, the, you know, and I've I've seen you in action. You're an incredible storyteller and you use your body language. You communicate through words. You, You can even write a hell of an email, you know, so not everybody can do all that. Um, so carry on. This story is so great. You're so much more, um, Multifaceted, which is why I think of you as the human kaleidoscope. Now that's your new—that's uh, the image that comes to mind when i Yeah, the story. yeah uh, a- well, I
1: like that image. I love kaleidoscopes, so yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining the one I had when I was a kid, which I really liked, especially if you pointed up to the sun. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. So
1: well, that's great. Yeah, and life is a little bit like that, and um, so you know, kind of the the lesser known story, um, about the kaleidoscope and, and going with that theme. Um, so I, I met my, uh, uh, I met my partner, Joel had, my friend Joel had, um, introduced us and, and I'm going to have a call with this partner and, and I had, um, I looked him up on the internet. Dad, he really looked familiar. How do I know this guy? And so we we get on the phone and start playing the who's who game and how do I know you game. And it turns out that in 1997 there was a restaurant that had opened at Left Bank in Menlo Park. And I live in Menlo Park, and I had gone with, um, with my husband at the time and my um, friend Joel. We went to lunch to check it out. And I was still in public accounting at the time and was really interested in um, food and wine and, and really getting into um, the whole pairing thing. And so I was trying to figure out what I wanted to – you know drink with my lunch and i just you know the guys are yammering on and it's a busy uh lunch rush but i you just kind of stuck my hand out and caught the nest guy going by and said hey can you can you help me i'm i i, I don't know what i want to drink with this i don't recognize some of these wines and and This guy pulled over in the middle of a busy lunch hour and said, well, what do you like? And so we get into the conversation about what I like and what do I like about pairing and, you know, what do I want to eat? And ended up selling me a bottle of Schaefer Firebreak. I loved it so much. I went home. I bought a case of it. It took (laughs) maybe 15 years to drink through that case. I had, um, I mean, it was a really iconic experience and it, and it gave me the courage to talk to other wine people, which spurred my passion even more. And, um, it turns out, you know, I'm on the phone with Master Sommelier David Glancy during this interview, going, Okay, where have you been? I've been in Macau, China. No, that's not it. (laughs) Wow. Mandarin Oriental. No, that's not it. And I was the opening manager (laughs) for Left Bank in Menlo Park. That's it. I said, Oh my God, you're the guy.
0: (laughs) Wow, this is. (laughs) I'm the guy?
1: You're the guy who sold me a bottle of shade for Firebreak. I've been drinking it for 15 years. And That's
0: just, So meant to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was really, uh, I took it as a sign.
0: Yeah, I would too.
1: Um, and so I gave it a shot. So I, I didn't know anything about wine education. I didn't really know that much about wine, relatively speaking. Um, And, but I needed to figure out what is this, what's a wine school? What do you do at wine school? And uh, so I went and I took a certification program. I took the California wine Appalachian specialist. It's a program that David wrote um, himself. He, David, by the way, is a master sommelier and a certified wine educator. And there's only 12 people in the world that actually have both of those certifications. So he's a
0: pretty, you know. Kristen I was Special on the guy. Yeah, I was on the phone recently with a colleague in the legal industry. He happens to be a lawyer as well as a sommelier. He's over in I think it's uh, in Detroit. He's in Detroit. And I don't know how you and or David came up, but he asked if I knew either of you only because we're out in California. I know California is a big place. But he asked if I knew either of you and I was like blown away that I even asked all the way from Detroit and I happened to have been able to say I knew both of you and he was shocked he was like oh you're so fortunate to know them and they're brilliant." Uh... Yeah, he was like, he's amazing, and he's on the board of this, and she that, and they run this, and they're known for that. And I was like, oh, my, well, I'm going to have to charge you for the fact that I know them. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: funny. Well, you know, David, really, he's pretty legendary in the industry, and he, this school is really his vision. I just had the honor of, you know, putting pen to paper and putting a structure in place and a business model to you know launch yeah. it and so um,
0: my show i can say he's a badass he
1: is a badass. <laughs> he is a badass he is a badass but the best thing about david and what i learned when i took this certification program besides the fact that it completely changed my lens on wine i I, I haven't looked at wine the same way ever since. It's so much, it's, um, it's a much more richer experience when you have some foundational knowledge. Um, it really impressed me just um, just how much that one, you know, it's a 20-hour program, 24-hour program. One 24-hour program completely changed my appreciation for something that I already loved. Um, and, yeah, then it became, then I became really insane with it. But um, So,
0: is this where we talk about my embarrassing moment at Andelsheim in Oregon? <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> so, That's up you know, to you. <laughs> Yeah, I think I should share with folks that they do and look, I'm I'm telling you I'm I'm not telling you people this because I know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you people this because I don't know jack about wine. I know what I like and I I drink it all the time. I love and wine. That is-
1: most important part.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd like to know a little bit more about a little more wine. How about that? Or maybe I'd like to know a lot more about a little more wine or maybe I'd like to know a little more about a lot more wine. How about that? <laughs> you can so, do it both ways. One day I would I had the pleasure of having been invited to a person's home um only because I was a speaker a, a, a speaker at an event in Oregon. And I was invited to this person's home the night before the big event and it was a lovely home and my, they had a lot of land in their backyard and I looked out their window as we sat at this beautiful dining table, long dining table, and it was just, it looked to be a vineyard. I mean, I do know that much and I thought, wow, that's beautiful. And there was a man sitting to the left of me who asked, Well, what do you do? And I told him, and it was nice of him to ask. And I thought, well, that's nice. I should reciprocate. And I said, Well, what do you do? And he said, Well, you see out that window there. And and he said, That's my land. And I said, Oh, okay. So he must do something where he's able to, you know, grow crops on the side <laughs> or have a vineyard for fun. Um, and then I said, So so you grow. You know, you have a vineyard. You grow wine, and he said, "He said, look on the table. That's my wine." And I and I had n- never had Andelsheim, and I didn't know it was pronounced Andelsheim. And people say, "Andelsheim, Andelsheim, Andelsheim." I mean, I didn't know. And he was the guy. He was David Andelsheim, and I was very embarrassed not to have known. And then I didn't want to even speak about whether I knew, you know, which wine of his I preferred or which was better. If I wanted more, I absolutely wanted more, of course. I was like, sure, I'll have another, you know. (laughs) Um, But he was so gracious and so kind and he didn't poke fun at me at all. Um, He said, shall I pour you more? And I, of course, said, absolutely. Thank you very much. And that was the end of that. But I need to know much more about wine, at least to recognize what I do and don't like and what I do want more of or, or not. And so I will sign up as a student of yours and of, of, of David's. And, and I suggest others do the same so that you don't find yourself at the table with the owner of one of the world's most famous wines and not know it. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, that's the crazy thing is that the world of wine is impossible to keep up with. And there are plenty of producers that even David doesn't know. The, it, it's constantly changing. And, and kind of what we, we don't necessarily teach about producers. Um, more of what we teach is figuring out how to describe what you like and what you don't like understanding what do they mean when they say the structure of a wine
0: what that's more important
1: what does high acid mean you know what you know what does tannic mean um how do i know if a wine is high alcohol or low alcohol and how does the you know what can i expect what kind of grapes can i expect from the willamette valley in oregon and you know, what are the different ABAs that are in California, and what are they known for, and, um, and why would people never want to buy a Pinot Noir from the Sierra Hills, you know, like, why is that, um, it, you know, it's understanding what grapes grow better why, where, and, and why, and, of the characteristics
0: for example basics like dry versus sweet right yeah
1: totally yep dry versus sweet and yeah what's um you know different
0: yeah
1: what what's a rosé how is it made how is it you know what grapes are in it we
0: what do (laughs) i order with fish versus steak you know the base
1: yeah do i yeah why um You know, what's going to happen if I order, you know, a big, tannic, high-alcohol red wine with this, you know, spicy uh, Korean food that I've got? Yeah, your mouth is going to be on fire because the alcohol and the spice react together. Um, maybe you want a Riesling for that or something that's off dry that has a little more of sugar content in it might kind of cleanse that (laughs) heat.
0: Yeah. And Um, to be honest, some of my listeners, in fact, most of my listeners know way more about wine than I do. And so I do probably most of my listeners, you know, wouldn't ask what is a rosé or wouldn't ask what's sweet versus dry. Um, so to to be fair, the wine school has you know basics to very sophisticated. So right, if you want to speak to the range of classes you offer. I don't want to give off the impression that it's just one hundred and one.
1: No, we actually um, as we've grown over the years. When I first met David, there he had three certification programs, and we now have twenty different certification programs and we have over a hundred different workshops. And these are all levels from you know our intro series is a really great place for people to start. Um because it's introduction to you know wine 101 and introduction to blind tasting an introduction to food pairing an introduction to California and France and Spain and Italy. And then you've got um all the way up to you know advanced tasting, or Italian wine scholar, or, um, you know, French wine scholar, Spanish wine scholar, California wine Appalachian specialist, Pacific Northwest, maybe you want to do so, W
0: so, program. So a yeah. would even, um, sign up for some of your class.
1: Yeah, so it was interesting when we were starting the, com- um, the business, David, prior to this, he had created, um, a certified sommelier program out of um, uh, Professional Culinary Institute in Campbell, and it went through a few iterations, but um, it was most recently International Culinary Center, and then they just shut it down in the last year in Campbell. Um, but this program that he created, it was the only one that um, it was, deter- you know, to get you to pass the certified sommelier exam that was the program and it was the only program ever endorsed by the court of master sommeliers and um so it it took you through two levels of exams and it was really intense and it was a you know twelve thousand dollar fifteen thousand dollar program and it was um you know it was sort of a one size fits all program and then when we started the school, we originally thought, well, we'll do something similar to that, but David really saw the need for um, more diversification in um, in education. There's a lot of real, there are a lot of respectable and relevant certifications out there, and there's others that are not. Um, so his vision, you know, was to kind of bring all the relevant certifications under one roof and gotcha. help people figure out which ones were best for them and then give them the education to prepare for the exam. But well, instead of having these, you know, long, uh, you know, year-long programs, um, we've broken it up into different uh, modules so to speak or each certification can kind of help you get to um the goal that you're trying to achieve like maybe you do want to pass the certified sommelier exam with the court of master sommeliers but maybe you use um Maybe you use an intro series class followed by a certified specialist of wine program followed by intermediate blind tasting program. You know, so we sort of modularize stuff and then depending on where students are trying to get to and where they've been, we help them create a path to that will help them meet their objectives.
0: Gotcha. So you can customize the program. But let me ask you this, because most of my listeners are uh, many, many, many of my listeners, if not most of my listeners are in the law firm world. So here's what I want to ask you. Two questions. Yeah. One, if I'm a lawyer and I focus on uh, the beverage industry, can you do something for me that helps me better understand the laws surrounding the beverage industry, especially wine? And then two, the second question is, wouldn't this be a fantastic opportunity for me to just do something unique with my clients for my clients, um, that's memorable and, you know, fun and yet still, um, you know, relevant. Yeah. You know, like law firms bringing their clients there or just me bringing my client as a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. So talk yeah. about that. So my audience is full of lawyers.
1: Yeah, so the first question just about what's relevant for lawyers, we have um, people from all different industries that um, work in wine, really just um, come in and do a lot of foundational programs um, to help them kind of get the lay of the land and understand, um, you know, how the wine industry works. and what the different regions are. Cause that's always a factor when you're doing any kind of a business in the wine world, but we do actually have a beverage law class. Oh, um,
0: cool.
1: yeah, it's part of our wine program management, uh, class that that program is designed for people who, um, are managing wine programs, but beverage law is a part of that. So, um, so that you know, it, it's probably not as in depth as the lawyers need to go, but um, but it is how the industry um, operates around the laws.
0: So I tell my lawyer friends that if you want to be um, the lawyer of choice for your wine clients, you need to know as much or more about the wine. Industry. industry as yeah. they do. And yeah. that's the way to go. Not just know the law, but you need to know about their industry. Their
1: business. Yeah. yeah. So if you're, if you've got, we tell anybody who works in the California wine industry in any way, shape or form, whether you're a lawyer or an accountant or a winemaker or a tasting room staff, you really should be studying the California wine industry. So that right. program that I took, the California Wine Appellation Specialist Program, just gives you a super solid foundation. Um, Right. And so that's, you know, that class is available in a million formats. They can take it in person with us, spread it over nine weeks. They can um, do a four-day intensive. I think we have one coming up in December, and they can do it online as well. Um, But the other question, um, really, you can – you can do a million things with wine um at the school with clients. Um we even fly places. You know, people will have us uh for example SF Travel had us design a food and wine playing dinner um, wow. in Washington DC. Um at, so it was a California wine dinner at a Greek restaurant in Washington DC. So we designed it <laughs> from here and figured out what wines they had available did the that they could get from their distributors out there because wine procurement is this whole tricky thing um and uh and then we flew out and hosted the dinner live um
0: incredible and
1: overnight so there's that but um we also do a lot of um team building stuff at the school so people can come in and maybe they want to do a fun blending session. Well, they'll, they'll learn about blending techniques and what you might want to blend and why and what a different vintages add to a wine and what a different regions add to a wine if you're creating a blend. Um, and then we'll set them off on their own and they'll go and make their blends and and we'll have them create a brand and a label and we'll have them do commercials and uh, we'll do a judging and so maybe everybody fun. yeah it's it's a blast the commercials if people can um dedicate enough time to the to the uh event to actually get through the commercials those are the best um so- really fun way to just and it's and you're learning but you're having a blast
0: so you know daniel pink says that the right brain is the way of the future so lawyers doctors linear thinkers people who are uh, all about uh, the left brain are going to have to adapt and you know start to explore the other side of their brain because the things that the left brain does and does alone will be able to be done by technology, you know, Ah, yeah, Yeah. so it's not to say that those people will be irrelevant, but it will behoove them to start to nurture the other side of their brain, and he's one of those people, so his recent book, um, oh gosh, I forgot what it's called, but uh, he did a podcast recently about his new book, and I just bought the book, Um, But this is the kind of exercise that will help them to explore the other side of their brain, the creativity, the, the woohoo fun stuff that Mm -hmm. wasn't always uh, respected by those people. But now they're going to have to explore that. And I think that doctors, lawyers, engineers, accountants um, can do like why I was so surprised that you did this as an accountant. You, this is why I call you Kaleidoscope now, your new nickname. (laughs) <laughs> um, this is a great way for doctors lawyers accountants uh, people who are otherwise left brain inclined to further develop and explore the right side of their brain absolutely yeah, yeah we do
1: we do a lot of hands-on fun things like that the blending sessions maybe we'll do maybe we'll reenact the judgment of paris where um nice. the you know Stephen spurrier and and his uh Competition in 1976, where yeah. California wines beat out some of the French Bordeaux And
0: um, I remember that movie. Of, yeah. uh, oh,
1: know. bottle shock.
0: Yeah, that, yeah. that was great. And little
1: known. It, well, it's hilarious because while that is the the. Very general sense of what happened. Stephen Spurrier, uh, we filmed, we showed that movie at the school and had Steven Spurrier on as a guest, and he <laughs> trashed it. Entire. Oh, how
0: funny! <laughs> the wheel versus the
1: uh, yeah, yeah. I said it was that just check. You know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, That's but um, yeah, but we do things like movie nights. Like we've done, um, we've watched the movie *SOM*, which is this yeah documentary profiling for going to uh pass the master sommelier exam and um and we'll you know bring the wines in from the movie and we'll cut a garden hose and see if that smells like claire valley riesling and you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) i had no idea Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I want to do this. So I love everything you're talking about. I love all this new stuff I'm learning about the wine school. and uh, But I want to make sure we don't deviate too much from you, the person, because this podcast is about you, the yes. you. you. Um, and I know that you're inextricably linked to the wine school. It's in your blood. It's, you're passionate about it but I want people to get to know you. So let's not forget. I want to ask you questions like um, I, I would I would venture to say I, I was going to ask you your proudest professional accomplishment but but the way we're going on about the wine school I, I, I would guess. Check. I would guess it's the wine school. Um, who who has been your mentor? Am I might you know I think I can guess, but I'm not sure. Um, who has been your best inspiration or your mentor? Um, you might have had more than one, but let's let's ask.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. I don't think uh being the one who was in the startup world, I don't think that um I don't think any one mentor comes to mind. Um I, I I think there have been people who have had pieces of mentorship in my life, like you know, Dan Doles, who would take me to lunch and let me ask anything.
0: Yeah, um, that makes sense. So.
1: My, my parents, because they never told me I couldn't do anything. You know, it was... Um, it just
0: probably I, might have gotten some trouble.
1: Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> they told me I couldn't do a lot of that. It didn't matter to me. I think, but in the end, they realized that that really all they needed to do was be my cheerleader and that I would figure it out on my own. And that I think is, um, that was, is invaluable to me. Um, you know, my friend Carolee Hazard, who I have the book of Carolee and You know, she's a a mom friend of mine that always asks me those hard questions that makes me think Um, and, you know, again, figure things out for myself, but it's, it's somebody who's willing to ask the hard questions.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: And of course, you know, my partner, David Glancy, he's, that man has so much Humility and passion and a drive for continuous improvement that inspires me every
0: day And you know he's funny he is he's really funny. he's a smart, smart guy and he's got a great sense of humor so I, so I'm married to a really, really smart guy. he's you know my husband he's super smart yes he's not funny he is not he's fun. He's fun. Okay. I'll, I'll give him that. No, no one knows that from nine to five, they think he's very serious, but I'll tell you, he's fun. But he's not funny. He thinks he's funny, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him I said that, but he is. <gasps> awesome. oh, yeah. he, he tries. He tries really hard, but no, he's not funny. So let me ask you this. It's not always been easy, I'm sure. What has been your biggest challenge or setback, and how did you overcome that? <sighs>
1: You know, when we first we set out to build a school that was dedicated to the trade and we thought we were going to do that by bringing in, you know, all the relative uh, relevant credentials under one roof. And um, and we quickly realized as we were um, growing that there were a, there's a tremendously um, underserved population of professionals in the industry that are working so hard, so many jobs, um, just to pay the bills, especially here in the Bay Area, that they can't afford the certification programs that they need to um, take to get a better job. And, uh, you know, I anecdotally I kept having these conversations with students that couldn't afford a $1,500 program to, that was going to get them, you know, higher wages. And we really had to solve that problem. Um, So we came up with, you know, creative ideas about, you know, how do they find, you know, installment plans and internship programs where they could earn money for classes and, um, And it really wasn't until um, we got the Glancy Wine Education Fund. Uh, We created a fund, actually, to help support these people because we get, you know, maybe $100,000 in requests every year, and 97% of those people earn less than living wage. Wow. It's really... um, you know there's a big, especially in the bay area there's a big discrepancy between you know the professional lawyer accountant high tech software engineers all those professional right. pay right. rates and then those in hospitality and those in hospitality i found to be you know they are in it for the passion and the adventure right. and the creativity um so that that was that was a really hard thing for our business. We actually had to adapt our business model to do more consumer um, programs and to do more um, private events so that we could you know, keep the doors open to do what our original mission was, which was to train the trade.
0: You know, I have some friends who, you know, this is so crazy. So I, I I bet you know these people. Some things are running through my head. I want to promote your event. I know that you have an event coming up that helps to raise money for this. It's a fundraiser. Let's talk about that a little bit before we go.
1: Yeah, so um, so the Glancy Wine Education Fund is a 501c3 um, organization. And that is, uh, we, every year we have, when we celebrate our anniversary, Um, We hold an event that is dedicated to that fund, so all of the profits from the event and um, the proceeds from uh, an auction that we do all goes to benefit this fund, and that then goes to support um, low-income professionals who are trying to start or advance their career. So that event is... um, we're we think wine should be fun and so (laughs) we make this event very fun so um it is luxury luxury wine themed um and there's of course a nice walk around tasting and a silent auction when you come in but then as we migrate to the evening we kick off our psalm service olympics and um you know psalms are fun they're uh They're they're sort of the uh, left brain, uh, they're left brain, right brain people. And um, so they know how to have fun. So we do these, um, we kick it off with the sparkling wine relay where we've got uh, two psalms that are competing to see who can open and pour sparkling wine to every guest in the place the fastest. Um, we do a, an event called the Riedel Serpentine Decanter Races. I don't know if you've ever seen these crazy decanters. Those are really hard to pour out of because you slop wine easily and there's going to be a race to see who can decant and pour the fastest there. And then we move on to the main event, which is a live food pairing competition. So this goes back to my heart and my food and wine playing um there's a four course meal that our chef is putting together and each of the songs will pick a wine to go with each of the courses and so everyone will have clickers and a way to vote and we've got um two celebrity judges we've got leslie sabracco who is the host of check please wow um, and yeah she's uh She's a longtime friend and supporter and Alder Yarrow, who is, um, he's a professional himself, but um, he's in, um, oh gosh, Alder's going to be mad. I'm going to mess it up, but I want to say hedge fund, some kind of um, financial uh, services company. And, um, but he's also writes for, uh, he has the blog for Vinography and he writes for Jancis Robinson and, so it's a he's a pretty big thing in the wine world. Yeah.
0: Tell us when and and the date. So you know it's time.
1: yeah. So it's December fifth at six o'clock. And um, there's some tickets that are still available. Oh, wait, I said December fifth. Scratch that. It's November second. It's November second. <laughs> yes. It's November second. Um, December fifth is another event. Uh, so November second at six o'clock, and it is it is a really fun time and we the auction items that we put together are always from the heart. Um, you know, like Maggie Enriquez who's the CEO of Krug, um, and now all of Hennessy um, always donates a, a great lot at Krug in Champaign, um, where she's escorting the folks around and, um, special tastings and a lunch at their Michelin star restaurant. And nice. like, yeah, so we get a lot of industry folks supporting this event. So you end up with some pretty cool stuff.
0: Well, let me ask you one last question before we say goodbye. Um, if I will write this in the blog and share this with my network, but if people choose only to listen to the podcast, but they want to reach out to you, how can they reach you?
1: So email me. That's the best thing. I'm at San Francisco Wine School. Can I I can give out my personal email, right?
0: You can do whatever you yeah. like.
1: So it's, if somebody is curious about, you know, the wine industry or mentorship, which I'm a big believer in, um, you can reach out to me at Campbell at sfwineschool.com.
0: So that's K Campbell. Yeah.
1: P B E L L, like Camp Bell.
0: Let's do that one more time, folks. K C A M P B E L L at School.com. Right. All right, Kristen, the human kaleidoscope, Campbell.
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: Been great. You're I'm gonna awesome.
1: go, I'm gonna go dig out my kaleidoscope somewhere.
0: Well, I'm going to sync all this into, uh, well, first of all, we'll put the podcast out there and then we'll sync it into a blog and I'll have it ready in probably two hours.
1: Oh my gosh, you are fast.
0: Yeah. I worked on the blog part last night to get this ready to go out because November 2nd is right around the corner and we want to share this with as many people as we can because one, you're fantastic. Two, you're smart. Three, you're funny. And four, we want everybody to come to this event on November 2nd.
1: We would love to have them.
0: All righty. Have a great day.
1: Thanks. You too.
0: Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.